This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Today, December the 3rd, is Health Day at the COP28 climate talks in Dubai. It is the first time a dedicated day has been set aside at the United Nations Climate Conference to highlight the links between climate change and health, because the climate crisis is a health crisis. But that connection isn't always well understood. One of the people who has spoken most passionately about the connection is Dr. Maria Naira, the World Health Organization's top public health and environment official. From heat waves and floods, triggering illness and death, to air pollution from burning fossil fuels, killing millions of people a year, climate change really is a global health crisis and requires urgent action to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Dr. Naira is our guest today to tell us more about this. Welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you. Very happy to be with you. So let's start off with the most fundamental question. Why is the climate crisis a health crisis? What are the key connections here? All over the places is uh, representing a major challenge because of the extreme weather events. I think everybody saw it on the newspaper, the flooding, the, the incredibly damaging uh, weather events affect around the world the population. Are the heat waves, are the fact that some vectors that are transmitting diseases are finding perfect conditions to uh, now reproduce. Uh, diseases like malaria or dengue, is about uh, destroying the capacity of our society to produce agricultural production and therefore being able to nourish our population. And it's about uh, the pollution of the air we breathe. It's about uh, the massive displacement. It's about water and food shortages. And it's about uh, mental health of our people that has been affected. So I don't see any disease that is not at risk of increase due to the conditions created by climate change. And can you give us some specific health impacts, uh, especially in Asia? So, for example, increasingly severe heat waves and deaths from air pollution caused by burning fossil fuels. Yeah, you see, air pollution is one of the major challenges associated with climate change because they overlap the causes of uh, both climate change and air pollution. Every year, every year we have 7 million premature deaths caused by exposure to air pollution. And this is because of the combustion of fossil fuels. So imagine the incredible health benefits we could obtain if we mitigate the causes of climate change, one of the immediate results will be the reduction on the air pollution and therefore of those deaths. Asia is one of the most affected parts of the world in terms of air pollution. So their actions on improving their quality and then accelerating this transition to uh, cleaner, less polluting sources of energy will be fundamental for our health, for other reasons as well, of course. But to protect our health, we need to accelerate this transition to clean sources of energy and phase out uh, fossil fuels. And also heat waves, of course, are an increasing threat to people across the globe, particularly um, in, in poorer nations who don't necessarily have access to um, air conditioning or cooling centers, for example, or um, you know, even a lack of clean uh, water as well. 
Maybe tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, this is one of the main concerns. And again, it's affecting everyone around the world. But of course, even more, the, the very vulnerable populations, the population that they cannot uh, switch off on the air conditioning or they don't have places where they can be more protected. We see it everywhere. Uh, the heat waves, the mortality is increasing. And we see that for the over 65, we can have an increase of even 30% on the mortality. So we need to prepare already by this terrible impact that uh, climate change is having through the heat waves. Uh, population working outside, construction workers, illegal workers, they have no protection at all. People living in cities where they don't have any place where they can keep studying if there are children or, or keep a minimum of health conditions for them. The temperatures are reaching uh, levels that are absolutely uh, incompatible with a minimum quality of life. So we need to tackle the causes, of course, and then mitigate climate change. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we create the conditions as well in the cities for those very vulnerable population to be more protected to the heat waves that are creating conditions that are impossible. And the frequency of those heat waves is increasing. The impact, the negative impact is increasing and uh, we will see that there will be even longer periods as well. So, yeah, as a society, we are totally responsible if we don't both adapt and mitigate the consequences of climate change. And why is it that some governments and delegates to UN climate talks haven't focused more strongly on the connection that we're dealing with the lives of millions of people, people who could be saved? This is an excellent question that we are asking ourselves every day. I mean, health is, is the, the ultimate motivation for, for accelerating action on tackling the causes of climate change. We have been for many years trying to bring the health argument to the climate change negotiations. Until now, I think the narrative of climate change has been very much around glaciers melting and polar bears and, and the planet in the next generation. But actually what we are saying as the global health community is that the one at risk and the, the center phase of climate change is humans, is human health. And uh, we think that probably with the health argument, we can mobilize more action, more ambition, and accelerate this sense of urgency that we all need to have. This is affecting dramatically on a devastating way our health, and we need to be more ambitious and acting quicker because uh, our health is already paying the price. And uh, we have many deaths, and we can predict even many more if we don't take action on that. Now, COP28 is hosting the first ever health day for a UN climate conference on December the 3rd, which is today. What is the key outcome, the key messages from this, and what do you hope will be the result? Well, we, we are very, very happy that finally we managed to have a health day at the COP. This is the first ever health day. And we want to use that opportunity properly. First, to make sure that everybody understands that this is a question of a climate crisis, is a health crisis, is a pollution crisis. So if we are able to pass that message to the negotiators, for them to understand that they are not just negotiating with the level of emissions, they are negotiating with our health. 
with the health of our lungs, with the health of our brain, our cardiovascular system. So they need to understand that this is about human health, and that might be the, the final engine to motivate more action. The second outcome we are expecting is that uh, nobody will be able to leave the room saying, I didn't know that this was affecting health. And therefore, we need to adapt and prepare our health systems to cope with this terrible challenge that this represents for our health systems. They are already coping with many diseases that are increasing in prevalence because of uh, in Asia, for instance, on dengue, we predicted that there will be an important increase on the prevalence of dengue cases because of climate conditions. So we need to adapt and prepare our health systems for that to become more climate resilient and uh, low carbon. And for that, we need financial resources as well. Our health systems is not receiving the financial support needed to be adapted to climate change and the challenges that we are facing with all of those diseases increasing. And of course, we are bringing the, the health argument to say, well, if you tackle the causes of climate change, the health benefits can be enormous on reducing their pollution and reducing deaths associated with that, uh, promoting uh, sustainable food systems and therefore healthy diets, that will be reduced as well massively the debt associated with malnutrition. And the third one is interventions at the urban level and therefore reducing non-communicable diseases, making sure that our cities are more livable and reducing and preparing to cope with these heat waves that will be affecting uh, the, the vulnerable population at front. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. So, I mean, part of the problem, I think, with the climate uh, negotiations over the past three decades is they have not made much progress on health, which I think for many people would be quite baffling. And you've been fairly critical of the UN climate talks process precisely because of that. And I think recently in another interview, you said that politicians who delay climate action should be prepared to live with the human fallout of their choices. So I, I guess that would be one of your key messages to negotiators at COP28. Absolutely. I think, um, again, putting on the table the, the 7 million premature deaths caused by air pollution. This is just a one example. But if we reduce the bad quality of the air we breathe, every year we could save at least a 5 million deaths and uh, so if you postpone one year, means that you are not saving the life of 5 million people. With all the chronic diseases that this represent, putting at risk the quality of life of people, uh, the price that we are paying in our hospitals as well, the, the financial resources allocated to treat chronic diseases that we could avoid if we were not giving subsidies to fossil fuels, for instance, and we use that money to uh, invest on renewable energy and protecting our health. So definitely we want the health voice to be very strong at COP, making sure that uh, our negotiators will understand that we can quantify for them the massive health benefits if they take the, uh, the right decisions but we can quantify it as well, the number of deaths they are not avoiding if they delay action on reducing the causes of climate change. 
Yes, and, and that feeds very nicely into my next question, which was a statement that you've made in the past about how climate change could be the ultimate public health opportunity. So just as you say, saving millions of lives through reducing fossil fuel pollution and reducing air pollution from fossil fuels. Maybe tell us a little bit more about how this could be the ultimate public health opportunity. We are convinced as well that citizens, that the general public and uh, even politicians, they need to hear some positive messages as well. And that's why we call the, the health argument for more climate action. The health argument is if you tackle the causes of climate change, for instance, if you accelerate this transition to clean sources of energy, the health benefits could be fundamental, could be fantastic. It would be tackling the causes of climate change will be a public health uh, intervention. If you accelerate the transition to sustainable food systems, we can reduce 5 million deaths every year due to lack of access to a healthy diet. So we can use that positive argument to accelerate ambition on climate change. And by doing so, this can be the ultimate public health cause because it will be implementing the Paris Treaty will be like implementing the best, uh, most ambitious public health treaty. So I would like to see this COP in future being driven by the health argument and being measured as well using health-related indicators to prove whether they are successful on their advancements or not. Yes, and of course, making the, the, the very personal connection between health and climate change, that, that this kind of directly affect loved ones, friends, communities. So I, I guess you're also saying that this could be, the understanding of this realisation could be something that helps drive ambitious climate action or needs to drive it. That that's, is extremely important. Until now, the narrative around climate change might be a little bit distant from the general public. They might be considered the climate change uh, discussions and to be the debate, to be more about the environment, the ecosystems, planet. And may, maybe certain people will feel a little bit detached from that. The moment you use the health argument, the moment people understand that this is about my lungs, the moment people connect the bad quality of the air we breathe with the asthma case of their child, and this is a very easy connection. Uh, we saw it in London with the Ella Kisidebra, the little girl who passed away with a horrible type of very bad asthma, and then the coroner decided to, on her death certificate for the first time ever to include air pollution as on her death certificate because she was exposed to a very high level of pollution and that was responsible for her death as well. So the moment people connect health and climate change, I think there will be an incredible increase on the speed or the sense of urgency that we need to give to that. We have been negotiating for 28 years at COP because COP28 means that, that for 28 years, the world who is saying that climate change is one of our biggest crises have been negotiating. So probably the health community, we have a completely different sense of what an emergency is. I'm a medical doctor myself. And when I was working at the hospital, when you are in front of an emergency, you need to take a decision immediately. You cannot postpone it 28 years. 
And a final question. You've also spoken about the urgent need to halt the destruction of nature, that ecosystem destruction is also driving a global health crisis. Uh, for example, from for the risk from more pandemics to rising temperatures and droughts from deforestation and so forth. Tell us more about this. I think as a society, we are coming as a kind of... Um polluters. We pollute everything. We pollute uh, the oceans with uh, tons of plastic. We pollute our rivers as well with our waste. We pollute the air, we breathe. So we need to stop that. This is uh, a battle that we are going to lose. I mean, the battle against the ecosystems, against the environment, which is the one providing us with food, water, and air to breathe, is a, is a stupid battle. So the first prescription from a public health point of view, if we want to prevent pandemics, if we want to protect the health of our people, if we want to prevent the spread of infectious diseases through animal health, then we need to stop destroying nature. Nature can be, the ecosystems are the first barrier against future pandemics, and they will prevent as well the transmission of uh, emerging infectious diseases, and of course will provide better food, better water, and better air. So we should not destroy what is giving us food, water, and, and air. That is the first prescription from a public health point of view. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was a really excellent rundown of why you know the climate crisis really is a health crisis, and we ignore that really at our, you know, <laughs> our detriment. Thanks for joining us today, Maria. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.